Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. In this episode, we mark a 40-year Loris milestone with Coach Bob Geary. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications. Joining me as co-host is Bobby Earls, Director of Alumni Communications, and we will chat with our distinguished guest, Coach Beery. Bobby, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Great to be with you, Robert. Thank you. Coach, we're starting your 40th year with Loris uh, College. That's correct. <laughs> Congratulations on the momentous occasion. That's probably more than older than you are. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not going to... I'd like to say that that was true, but no. <laughs> and, and you know, Coach, your lovely wife, Jereen, would probably remind you, you never ask a lady what her age is. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, Coach, this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> coach, a lot of people know you because of your role as a leader on campus, as a coach in our advancement office, but maybe a few of them don't appreciate your journey to Loris. Talk a little bit about where you grew up and how you ended up at Loris as a student. I grew up on 779 University five houses up from the walnut tap <laughs> and i went to nativity grade school and then through loris academy and when i was at nativity grade school i remember during the football season right you know when i was in the early grades i'd always come over to watch practice and so on and i used to hang out on the loris campus crazy but i but i did always hung out at the loris uh, loris campus back then when the academy which was not is now loris campus uh, you know, we played all of our games up in the uh, in the Rock Bowl, and I also remember after the war, it was funny. My 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 parents, because we had that influx of uh, GIs that came back after World War II, uh, my dad, my mom and dad housed uh, two Laura students. They both were football players, and I got really really close to them. I remember every Saturday that uh, I'd always stand by the gate there by the old field house, and when they'd come uh, out to on the field they'd grab me and take me in with the uh, with the team but I was always down around the sideline and it was crazy you know through the years but I just when I was an early kid in grade school high school uh, just fell in love with uh, Loris College and Loris College football. Oh, so, so officially it's 40 <laughs> years June 1st but really unofficially your connection to Loris is much longer than 40 years. Very much so it probably goes back to 50 some years yes. I have been truly blessed to share time with you through the advancement office in your work at Loris College, but long before you joined the advancement team, you were a very well-known, well-loved, and still are football coach. While you're celebrating your 40th anniversary of working at Loris, you started at Loris as a student. How did you end up at Loris? Well, if I give, let me give you a little history. Uh, what they did, uh, what Monsignor Foley was the president at the time, and after the 1959 season, um, he made the decision to drop football, which they did. And they went until 1970. And 
at that time, Loris was strictly an all-male institution. But in 1970, uh, because of declining enrollment, uh, what they did, the uh, <clears throat> women were admitted for the first time in 1970, and they started a club football program. And uh, in, in 1979, they had a student referendum, and they gave the students the opportunity to vote on reinstituting an intercollegiate football program. And it was overwhelmingly passed, and it was subject to the uh, limitation that not one institutional penny would be allocated to the football program. It would have to be self-sustaining. And, and one of the things that they were concerned about at that time, in 1970, as I said, we were an all-male institution. And by 1979, uh, the student enrollment, 52% were women. And what they were concerned about is that the, the direction, uh, Pasquale D. Pasquale, the president, that we were going, that we were losing male students. Anyway, <laughs> when I came aboard in... Uh, in uh, 1980, June 1, they could not pay me uh, with institutional money because there was not going to be one cent. That was one of the stipulations that would be budgeted for football. So my title when I came in 1980 was head women's basketball coach, head athletic trainer, instructor in physical education department, and director of San Jose Pool. And when I started in 1980, there wasn't one uh, person on our football staff that uh, that had, that had a, a, a had money that was allocated through the football budget. The only other full-time employee that I had was Ralph Michelli, and they hired him to be the head of the physical education department. So Ralph was basically a volunteer football coach. So. Anyway. That's, a, that's amazing. You not only held the title of head women's basketball coach, but you led that team to some historic stats and you coached some amazing, amazing players like Kathy Coyle comes to mind. Talk to me a little bit about your coaching of the women's basketball team. You know, back then, the uh, women's athletics, that way before Title IX, and they had an association that was strictly for women. I think it was a association intercollegiate athletics for women. And they had all these crazy rules. One thing I loved about it, uh, when I would go out recruiting for, uh, uh, for football, when I'd be meet with these football guys, I would always, uh, when they come in, I'd say, hey, who's your best uh, women's basketball player? <laughs> and they would, you know, they'd tell me, I'd say, go, and I'd say, go get her. <laughs> you know, we had some uh, great women like Kathy Coyle. Kathy Coyle was a, was a Division One player. She was like six five, six six, great player. Uh, and, you know, you talk about back then. Hell, we played. I'll never forget. I took our women into Chicago one weekend, and we played DePaul on Friday night and Loyola on Saturday. And we played uh, like Northern Iowa. We played a lot of scholarship programs. St. Ambrose. I'll tell you, the women's coach at at uh, University of Iowa, Lisa Bluter was the head coach at St. Ambrose back then. That's probably before your time. And they were, re she was a heck of a coach. They were yes. really, really good. Yeah. So, but tr I'll tell you the other one that uh, uh, Tracy, Tracy Foxen was, uh, was, a t was voted the top uh, athlete in uh, uh, female athlete. And I remember recruiting her 
I remember Renee McCready. I'll never forget her because I went in and I asked the uh, football guys. I said, who's the best? And they said, Renee McCready. And I said, go get her. She said, coach, she's down in the gym. So I walked down in the gym and there must have been about 50 or 60 guys in there playing basketball. One female was Renee. Renee. That's <laughs> so, awesome. We've had some good. Jackie Moncton was a great player. Yeah, there was, we had some, it was fun. And you mentioned too, Coach Barry, that while you didn't have any payment for your salary coming from the football program, when you started, you were involved in, in really leading this club program and really instituting football back into Loris. Talk a little bit about that journey. Well, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, I was hired late. Uh, in fact, when I was hired in, uh, <laughs> I think it was April, I wasn't actually hired. I was, I started June one, but you know, basically, uh, I was offered the job in, uh, in, in April and the faculty at the time was very, very apprehensive about getting back into intercollegiate uh, football. And <laughs> I remember when the first faculty meeting, it, uh, Oh, the, the meeting basically consisted about the football program for about an hour. It was all kinds of different questions. Uh, there were some that were adamantly opposed. I don't want to name names, but anyway, um, you know, their biggest concern was, number one, how it would impact the budget. And Pasquale D. Pasquale, the president, had to reassure him that not one penny was coming out of the uh, school budget. And secondly, the other thing, a lot of them were concerned about the type of individual that uh, we would bring in because uh, football definitely changes the character of an institution. Mm -hmm. in, uh, in 1980, I'll never, I'll, when I came in, you know, I had a meeting right before school ended in, uh, in early May, and I think I had 10 guys show up for the meeting. So I go, oh my God, are we in trouble? <laughs> there was only 10 guys from the previous year. So I'll tell you what, I remember uh, Dan Connery, thank, thank God, he, he was the uh, uh, admissions director at the time. And he said, Bob, you can use one of our offices. You can come in at five o'clock and get on the phone. <laughs> I remember he came a month later and says, Bob, I, I have to cut you off. You used our whole phone budget in one month. <laughs> but I spent a lot of time on the phone. And that first, that, that, that first year, uh, you know, we had, uh, I didn't have, uh, you know, really not any money for uniforms or anything, but uh, uh, we had uniforms to outfit uh, 50 kids. And we, as I said, we had 10 kids that had uh, been left over from the, uh, you know, from uh, the club program. So I brought in 40 recruits that first year. Uh, so we started off the season with, uh, uh, you know, with 50 guys. So it was funny. In fact, in fact, we had to borrow helmets and everything from some of the city schools like and senior just to outfit our, our, our football team mm -hmm. but it was, uh, it was crazy those kids would joke that we'd go on a road trip we, you know we did it was a long distance we'd stop somewhere at a city park and they used to, and i used to get like a ring of bologna and a, and a couple loaves of bread and, and they'd, they'd always laugh and give them a, a bologna sandwich and maybe a cookie for lunch but that was it <laughs> You were talking about at the beginning when you started the program with such a small number of men and some of the apprehension that the faculty had and how this program really evolved. You, you really set the tone and these young men really showed campus and themselves what they were capable of. Talk a little bit about some of the grit 
and those stories that you encountered and shared with these young men? Well, Aaron, one thing that, uh, you know, thanks for asking that question. One of the things that I was sensitive to, um, you know, when, when they came in, I was really sensitive to the, you know, to the image on campus. And what we really tried to do is really uh, uh, keep a tight rein. Uh, one of the things that I th you know, was funny, uh, we, we, institu we instituted a, a study table at night and made them all go to a study table, you know, uh, four nights a week, Monday through Thursday, and it was like two hours. And the thing that was interesting, you know, they all complained when they were doing it. When I sat down at the end of the season and uh, did interviews, you know, as they exited, uh, you know, I always asked them for the, uh, you know, the pluses and the minuses and that type of thing. And without fail, they, everyone would say, coach, when we had to go to study, study table, it was a pain in the neck, but uh, I really appreciate you doing that because it really established, you know, right from the get-go, you know, good study habits. So it's like one of those things you call tough love, but, mm -hmm. and, and I, I, don't, I don't even know if they're still doing it to this day, but. But uh, the other thing that I used to do is uh, send a, a note to, uh, to all the to all the faculty, and I'd say and I tell them in the note that number one, if there's any discipline problems, just give me a call and I'll deal with it. And if also <laughs> if they were if they're having problems academically, give me a call. And I'll tell you the one that he was she was basically at first very adamantly opposed was Donna Bowerly. I don't know if you remember her or not, Donna Bowerly. Oh, yes. Back then, she was the chair of the of, of the faculty, and <laughs> it was funnier than heck. As it as it came out, even though her and I were at each other's throat most of the time because she was the chair of the athletic of, of the faculty, it turned out pretty good because she was on the phone to me all the time. And what I used to do is those guys that I thought would be problems, I'd stick them in her class because <laughs> I knew she <laughs> and I'd because I knew she'd. She she was like a mother hen. Oh, it was beautiful. So, anyway. You you learned early on how to help the students, help the program, and kind of demonstrate kind of that strong character. And you would be so proud because those study tables that you implemented for your student athletes continue today for all programs. And that is why I You're think. Because of that, Loris continues to receive a number of accolades connected to our student athletes because of their academic proudness. So you certainly were a leader ahead of your time. Coach, you also, as much as you remember some of your students, the student athletes also remember you. As you reflect back on your 25 plus years in coaching and your 40 years here at Loris College, what are some of your most significant memories or those things that come to top of mind for you? Oh, thank you. You know, one of the things that, you know, I was really, really fortunate is uh, Pasquale D. Pasquale was the president at the time that hired me. And also, uh, it, was at, it was 81, or 82, they brought in Kevin White. Now, I'm sure that recognizes uh, your name, but if you name uh, an athletic director at the Division I level, that is probably has the most prominence, it's Kevin White. He's now, you know, Kevin went from Loris to uh, Maine, to, uh, to Lane, to Arizona State, to Notre Dame, and now to Duke. And I'll tell you the two things that, uh, you know, if you were to ask me, uh, 
of prominence in both of those individuals as leaders. Uh, both were visionaries. I mean, they were both visionaries. I think most administrators, you know, when they, every day they come into their office and they got a ton of things on their plate and they deal with things in the present and, and they and they forget about, you know, you know, looking down uh, years ahead or months ahead and, and having a plan for success. And I'm telling you, Ke that fits Kevin White to a T. And the same with Pasquale, like I mentioned earlier, you know, those guys were great leaders. And, uh, you know, and of course, Pasquale now is, has passed away. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Ken White is getting to that point in time, um, you know, where he, I, think he's, I think he's about 65 years old. The other thing about Kevin White, he was tremendously loyal. And uh, I'll tell, this is a crazy story, but I'll tell you one story about Kevin White. Whenever he went somewhere, he'd always have me call and as a football coach and sort of endorse him. And when he got the job at Notre Dame, he called me. He says, "Bob, I want you to call Notre Dame." And I forget who the uh, who was in charge of athletics down there. I says, "Kim, get the heck out of here! They are not going to take a call from me." He says, "Yeah, they will. They eat that." He says, "Lors is a very prominent no a name at Notre Dame." And neither way. so I called them. They took my call. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And uh, you know the thing that people don't realize: we've had nine coaches. Nine coaches at Loris College in the past that have Notre Dame ties, mm -hmm. and four of them are in the College Hall of Fame. So, but of, of the four that are in the College Hall of Fame, I think we're the only Division three institution in the country that has had that many men who were head football coaches or served on, you know, assistant football coaches that, uh, that are in the College Football Hall of Fame. In fact, uh, you know, I'll tell you another crazy story. Mike Scarry was the head football coach here at Orris College in 1953. But Mike Scarry, in fact, when the, when the Miami Dolphins, you know, when they won the uh, Super Bowl and they're only a team that, uh, uh, that has gone through undefeated, Mike Scarry was a defensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. It's crazy, crazy story. Wow. We've had, you know, a lot of great coaches in the past. Yes. You pointed I'll tell you the out. Other one if you're, 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 Chris, I don't know. I don't know, Bob. You a football guy at all? Uh, I am. Newt Rockney yeah. spent yeah. one week. Bob Newt Rockney spent one week at Loris College. That's crazy. In 1915, he coached our offense and defensive linemen. He was assistant coach at Notre Dame, and the uh, and the head coach at Loris at the time, uh, Gus DeRay, was the head coach. And uh, they, 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 they both were teammates at Notre Dame. In fact, Gus DeRay was the uh, um, quarterback that threw that forward pass to Newt Rockney that made history. Mm -hmm. And Gus DeRay was the head coach at Loris, and he asked Newt to come up and work with the offense and defensive linemen, and wow. he did. Coach, when I have to make phone calls and reach out to alumni, and especially around homecoming when we're putting together reunion committees, and if there is one of your former football players that is celebrating a reunion year, all I have to do is drop your name and they take my call. Yeah. Well, well that's good to hear. <laughs> Everybody takes your call, Bobby. Don't no. give me that. <laughs> well, you talk I think about a legend. <laughs> you, have, you have a lot more pull. Trust me. And I think there's a few of them that would love to tell stories, but they're very loyal to you. And so they don't share too many stories. But I would love for you to share a few stories about some of your former student athletes. And really, so many of them are impressive in their careers and what they're doing today. You're right. 
you know, I'll tell you probably the one right now at the uh, at the top of the list is is Chris Kleiman. You know, Chris uh, came out of Waterloo, Columbus. I tried to recruit him out of high school, but he went to Northern Iowa. But anyway, uh, make a long story short, uh, you know, he was a, a grad assistant at Northern Iowa when he finished playing. And he went with uh, Terry Allen down to Kansas, and they ended up getting fired. And he was looking for – well, in fact, he took a year and sold sporting equipment, equipment with his brother. And uh, I, had a, I had a position open as a defensive coordinator, and I remember uh, interviewing and actually ended up hiring him. And, of course, he left here uh, and uh, went back to Northern Iowa. And then, of course, he went to North Dakota State, and he went three national championships in this past year. Uh, you know, he, he got the head job at, at Kansas. Uh, the other one is, uh, uh, oh, Andy, Andy uh, Altaw. And Andy uh, had a, has had a great career. He was at Baylor University. In fact, he just got the job here a few months ago at uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in the, in the NFL. Uh, Johnny Baxter coached at both. God, he's been all over the place, Arizona State, Maryland, Michigan, USC, um, trying to think, uh, oh, shoot. I'll take one. I, I don't know how you – Sly Bush. I don't know where if you ever if you ever got uh, – I don't know if you released that yet or not, but Sly, uh, God bless you, he came to Loris as a, a, a basketball player. And uh, I, what I did, I recruited him off the basketball team, and he ended up playing wide receiver. And then uh, he stayed around and coached a year. And I tried to hire him, I don't know how many times, you know, as a full-time coach, because he had a great rapport with the, and the, and the black student athletes just loved him. But uh, he ended up being a, a police chief in Peoria. And now he's the head of the, uh, uh, he's the chief of police for the park district in, in Chicago, which I think is a heck of a job. Amazing. Uh, of course, Bob Tucker, you know, <laughs> hired him. Now, he, you know, with the, uh, uh, you know, with the sports camp, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, who's a defensive coordinator at uh, at uh, at Northern Iowa. Uh, who else? Oh, oh, Johnny Stager, who's up at Minnesota Duluth, and he's won like three national championships at Division Two. Uh, Mike Craven, of course, he's since retired, but Mike Craven uh, uh, won a couple of national championships down at St. Francis in uh, in Indiana. Uh, Kim Van Alstine who's the uh, uh, AD at uh, uh, Cardinal Stritch in Milwaukee, uh, was a great coach, uh, Mike Early, <laughs> oh, yeah. who actually finished up getting his PhD. He was a superintendent of schools in the Chicago area. But, you know, I could go on, uh, you know, great wood. Well, there's, I mean, I, I probably had over 100 guys uh, that have, uh, you know, that have gone through the football program, either as players or coaches, that, uh, that are now in some form of administration or coaching, well over 100. It's crazy, crazy well, it's not, which it, I love. I love to visit with them, too. It's not crazy, well, Coach, because you have had such a positive influence on them. So kudos to you for helping guide and direct and mentor them. I don't know about that, but anyway. <laughs> God bless. Yeah, it was fun. I know you're extremely humble. <laughs> Can you talk about a little bit about, um, you know, starting in 1980, I mean, just your time as a football coach and seeing football itself, seeing the program evolve from, you know, just kind of restarting and getting established back on the campus and then to the time that you retired. I mean, can you talk a little bit about just the evolution of the football program um, from kind of a, you know, 
a bit of a challenge to get it up and going again to by the time you left it's you know well established and i mean i mean you touched on the 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 history and the, the great players and the great student athletes who've come through here and, and their accomplishments beyond the field um i mean how did how did the football program evolve in your time here when i came in 1980 uh, we were an NAIA um, uh, program. We had a uh, we had a, a basketball program that was top drawer, and in uh, the basketball program, I think we had we had twelve basketball scholarships. It was crazy for men's basketball, crazy. And uh, you know, we came in as an NAI. We were not NAI is a scholarship national organization. We were not allowed to have scholarships, and. Uh, we were an independent, and I remember I took, you know, talking with uh, Kevin White and, and Dr. T. Pasquale, and I said, hey, look, there, there's no way we can survive as an independent. You, we have to get into a conference. I said, because, you know, once you get into the most, most schools are in conferences, and once, you know, the season gets underway, you, you know, they're, 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 all their schedule is, is conference games, so what we did, they applied to the Midwest Conference and were rejected. And then we applied to, I don't even, I think it was the Illinois Badger Conference and we got accepted. And, and, and Kevin and Pasquale were not overly enthused about joining that conference. And, and so then they said, the only other option, if you're going to stay, if you want to be in Division Three, or which they wanted to be an NCAA institution, and, um, you know, they applied to the, uh, Iowa conference and I said you're gonna have to do a lot of lobbying because I know there's some people in there that really don't want us <laughs> and uh, so they they did a good job and I'll tell you probably the biggest supporter were the, was the was the president at the time over at UD and also the guy up at Luther and they got us into the Iowa conference in 1986. Kevin White was uh, was the uh, was the AD you know he stepped down and became a vice president you know, he was, he became a vice president, but he was still in charge of athletics. Uh, but what he wanted to do is he knew that we had a very, uh, he wanted to combine physical education and athletics and where we could hire more coaches and put them in, in physical education. And uh, the guy that he really wanted to hire was uh, Ralph Pacelli, who was the chair of the physical education department. He wanted to make him the AD and also chair of the physical education department. But the way it turned out, you know, Ralph, turn them down and uh, I can still remember when they called me into the office and uh, Kevin and Peter Squally were sitting there and said Bob you are now the AD and I said what <laughs> and I said they said you are now the AD and I said no, no way and I remember Kevin says I'll tell you what Bob you got until eight o'clock tomorrow morning and if you tell us no here's who you're going to work for he gave me three names and he said this is who you're going to work for and I said you can decide you can either be the AD and the head football coach and call the shots with the whole department, or you can work for this one of these three people. <laughs> and after I cussed him off for a while, and, I, and I'll tell you what he did. That's what I said, being a visionary. What Kevin uh, was great at, he employed a lot of people. He gave a lot of people titles. My God, it was ridiculous. He, you swept the floor in the field house. You were the director of, uh, of the field house. He gave her kind of had, <laughs> And one of the things that I think he, he still does, he's a, he's a, he's the world's best delegator. You know, he don't, he never got hung up on all that minute stuff. He delegated to people and let them go with it. So mm -hmm. anyway, crazy story, but. <laughs> That's great. Well, coach, story. coach, I know you have so many stories and 
others would love to share so many stories with you as well. What is your biggest takeaway from Loris as you reflect back on your 40 years working at Loris and your years at the Academy before that? What is your biggest takeaway with Loris as you reflect back? Uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, here Sunday, it's going to be my second, uh, my 62nd wedding anniversary. Okay. Oh, congratulations. And I married my, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I married my great school sweetheart. You know, I'm still in love with her. And, you know, it, it, like somebody asked me the other day, why in the hell did you take that job at Lourdes? I said, you know, it's because I had already taken a job at Eastern Illinois and uh, it, it had a lot more pay and so on. But anyway, you know, it's something that's almost a, like a love affair, you know, with the institution. I, I, don't ask me, but it's just something that don't ever tell me. I'm, I'd have a tough time not being affiliated in some capacity at Loris College. Yeah, I guess you could say it. Uh, it's a love affair. I don't know if you remember Jenny Johnson, but she uh, she was a track athlete here. It was her birthday this past week. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know, her husband's a soccer coach at UD. God bless her. <laughs> I sent her a thing. You know, once a do-hawk, always a do-hawk. And she got back, ha, ha. I said, who are you kidding? Once you're a do-hawk, you bleed purple and gold. Don't ever get it. You don't tell me it's out of your system. <laughs> and I believe that. Well, Jereen certainly deserves as much credit as you for the influence that she, and the positive influence that she had on all of your student athletes as well, both on the women's basketball team, the men's football team. She is definitely a solid partner to have by your side. So congratulations on 62 years together. Well, thank you. Well, we could continue stories with Coach Beery, and we might have another podcast with you to continue that, but we're going to wrap things up right now, Coach. Hey, thank you, Bob. Thank you. Bobby, you're the best. You know oh. that. God bless you. Love you, Coach. Well, well Coach Beery, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And, and again, congratulations on 40 years with Loris, well, 40 plus years ultimately, but 40 years with Loris College. Yeah, thank you. Bobby, thanks again for sitting in and as always doing a tremendous job. My pleasure. And thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. Be sure to visit the Loris Daily at daily.loris.edu to find more podcasts as well as daily updates on news, features, and videos from across Loris. We hope you'll join us for the next Duhawk Digest. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other, and go do hawks.